Lace up your boots and grab your mouth guards. It's time for the Rugby Wrap, the podcast about all things Western Force and the game we love. Well, hello everyone and welcome to this grand final preview edition of the Rugby Wrap. Nice to have your company wherever you may be listening. My name is Mick Collis and joining me as always, former Wallaby Mitch Hardy. Mitch, good to see you. Nice to be back again, Mickey, after finally recovered from Sunday's massive effort on 6PR. So uh, good to be back and getting a grand final preview for the Rugby Wrap this week. So excellent. Yeah, it's terrific. And the Invisible Man, also known as Heath Testman, is busy working hard for Australia, but will hopefully join us shortly. Well, the Fortescue Premier Grade competition reaches its climax this weekend when Cottesloe takes on Palmyra out at Hartfield Park in Kalamunda. Cottesloe looking for a three-peat, while Pally chased the silverware for the first time since 2009. Two key players in this weekend's matchups are Cottesloe's former Wallaby and ACT Brumby, Peter Kimlin, and Palmyra's Western Force fan favourite, Jack McGregor. And gentlemen, thanks for your time on the Rugby Wrap. Thanks for having us, Mick. For having us. Now, Pete, we'll start with you. You came to Cottesloe to play third grade, ended up in the ones. What happened and how did it all come about? <laughs> That's funny way of putting it, Mick. Thanks. Um, yeah, I guess for the last, um, what, uh, probably five or six years, um, I was playing overseas and, um, and my wife's from Perth, so um, all her family's here. So we, every time we came back, um, I was affiliated with, um, with Cottesloe, so I helped out with some training sessions here and there. Um, and it just happened to be that a couple of um, my teammates, club uh, teammates from over in Canberra, they were based over here and they were playing for Cottesloe at the time. Uh, and they always said that when you come over, make sure you pop in and play a couple of games of third grade for us. So <laughs> that's how it started out. Yeah. And how, how long did you manage to stay in third grade? Oh, mate, I reckon I probably played more third grades than first grade, to be honest. But, um, really? No, it's, no I, I probably played about five, five or six games yep. for third grade. And then, um, yeah, uh, one week there was an injury in second grade. So then it just started from there. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you've got to sort of fly under the radar too mm. long. Now, what, what surprised you about the local Perth club rugby scene, both on and off the field? Um, firstly, off the field, um, I found that um, the integration from the junior club footy all the way through the senior club footy was, was tight-knit, or especially at Cottesloe Rugby Club. Well, that's all I can base it off because that's all I've been known, uh, known to. But I just really was amazed by every Tuesday, Thursday, you would have the junior teams that would train and then they would stay around and almost watch the start of the seniors and especially Thursday nights, they really had a good club atmosphere around the club and guys would stay behind and have a meal after training and often you'd see a lot of the junior players, coaches, um, kids around, just running around, running amok. So that was amazing to see and, and I guess that flows onto the, um, onto the pathways of rugby here in WA, which I've, which I've certainly seen. Um, um, in terms of level on the field, um, it's been great to sort of have that progression of playing in the lower grades first, so you sort of see the benefit there. Um, and in terms of the first grade quality in comparison to over east, I guess it's, it's building and um, that's where I guess it's helped having the Western Force in the competition um, of the last couple of years, which really helped the game. So I've seen, especially the last, last five weeks, like you've seen those Western Force players come back into the fold and and add some um, uh, some spice to the local competition, which has been great. Yeah, that was going to be the next question. Sort of, uh, what are your thoughts on professional players playing locally, and, and what role do they play when they actually do come back to the clubs? Yeah, I'm 100 percent for it. Um, I, I know, you know, uh, when I first 
was contracting with the Brumbies. There were guys that were going back to Sydney, going back to Brisbane in the off season and playing and playing their club footy out there. Yes, it was good for their mental state per se, but it wasn't great for the local competition because you had effectively 30 players, well, not 30 players, but say 20 players that were going off and playing in different competitions. And then it wasn't until a few years later that um, a few coaches changed that sort of mindset and you saw it really pick up the rest of the um, the um, the development in the local competition. It really helped and it really pushed pushed for selection for all those younger kids in the competition. And and it really um, it really developed the uh, the local academy system and and you and the first way of saying that is how many how many guys come through the system? How many guys go from the academy into the into the full term um, contracts? So I guess that was a a real benefit. Um, I know it's probably hard for some of the for some of the full time guys training Monday through to Thursday and then having to go to a training session on Thursday night. It's probably the last thing they want to do. But um, yeah, I guess. Um, I guess you got to see a uh, step back and, and and read the benefits from the club point of view and see what it's doing for them. And Jack, you've been with the force for a while. How are you enjoying playing club rugby? Yeah, I'm loving it at the moment. Um, I played my first game of club footy in Perth back in 2018, and um, I even tell now this year that the standard since then has um, you know improved a lot. So. Um, I think a lot of clubs are doing great things through their pathways, um, like Peter just um, spoke about. I think Pally, um, majority of, it, of the guys in, the, in our first grade team are, are young guys that have been there for three or four years. Um, and have, I think you said today that um, 13 out of our 15 um, playing in the grand final played in um, for the juniors at Pally. So, That's great. Um, you know, I've really enjoyed, really enjoyed that aspect um of the club and you know i'm yeah very thankful to be a part of it but um yeah enjoying it at the moment must have been frustrating for you trying to break back into the western force during this super rugby season when you're playing club rugby how did you handle that and how did you use club rugby to get yourself back in the starting 15 across the year yeah i think um you know with the squad we had it this year we had um you know a lot of experienced guys and a lot of guys with um uh, test experience coming to the squad. So uh, for a few of the younger guys, it was great in that aspect to learn off them. But um, like you said, at the same time, it can be a little bit frustrating when you're trying to break into that team and um, you sort of, um, you know, aren't able to be picked on a week-to-week basis and you're sort of in and out of the squad. But um, to, to be able to come back and play um, in in the Perth comp, um it was a really good opportunity to show your skills and to play, you know, pretty good standard rugby week in, week out and and put your name forward for selection. And I know that um, the coaches at the Western Force, they all watch the games um, from from each week and sort of are seeing the guys come through and also the guys that are in the squad that are um, trying to put up their hand for the selection. So, um, you know, I thought it was a really good springboard to, to uh, play a few good games there and put your name forward for selection. And playing 10... Jack, as opposed to playing 15 on the outside backs where you were playing the majority of time in the force, back at the, in the 10 jumper, you've been enjoying that? Yeah, loving it. I think, um, you know, it's a position that I sort of want to have a look at playing um, in the future. So um, to get the opportunity to play for Pally's, um, something that I've, you know, really um, been um, thankful for. And, you know, it's a yeah, great opportunity to, to be able to play in that comp and, and play the position that, I want to play and, and can put that forward to, to other coaches. 
and also Jack, we all we all have them in our club rugby journeys, but there's always a club that everyone loves to hate. Sometimes it soaks over here in, in the West, but how have you embraced the the Palms culture, the up the Palms culture down there at Tompkins Park? How'd you find that? Yeah, I love it. It's a great culture. I think, um, you know, all the boys are really close. So, um, yeah, I've heard that, you know, a lot of people don't don't like soaks, but... Um, <laughs> a lot of people don't like Pally as well, mate, because of the chahooing <laughs> that goes on. Conference Park there on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. You, well, you've been part of that? Yeah, a little bit. But I think personally, the uh, the only team that I ha- I've never actually beaten is Cottesloe. So, um, you know, that's just a little chip on my shoulder for this weekend. So maybe... <laughs> Maybe put it back onto them. Yeah, and just off the back of the last couple of, couple of weeks, knocking over Nettie's two weeks in a row, the minor premiers. Um, what did you put that down to? Where's Where's the team really clicking this time of the, you know the right time of the season, leading in the granny? They've had two good wins on the trot. Um, what do you put that down to? Yeah, I think we sort of had a little bit of inconsistency in our team, um, especially in sort of the playmaking roles um, throughout the season. So. Um, you know, we had Michael McDonald in there for a few games, then Reese was in and out and then he broke his hand. So, um, and then sort of 10, 10 and uh, that sort of that five, eight role has been chopping and changing, obviously. So um, I think sort of our combinations have just sort of stuck lately um, in the last couple of weeks and we've been able to get on top of that and get some consistency in those combinations and um, it's really helped. And then obviously the closer we got to finals, it's sort of, a lot of those games at the end were sort of do or die for us because we only just scraped in on fourth position. So um, there was no really room for, for any error or, you know, let games slip. So um, those last sort of four or five games, every game was pretty much a must win for us, which was um, sort of forced us to click into gear and sort of find some form coming into the finals. That that leads to you haven't beaten Cot, as you mentioned um, before. So what's the key to beating the uh, the Seagulls, mate? What do you put it down to? Is it to get in their face and put them off a bit or play the expansive game Pally's renowned for? I think, well, I think previously when I've played them, we've sort of fallen into that trap of trying to um, trying to get into that niggly game a little bit too much. Um, I think if you look at their squad, their strength is their their front row. Of, definitely they've got a very good scrum and, um, you know, they've got Andrew Reddy at hooker and then um, their two props are very effective, but also their back row with, um, Tobias at, at eight, um, and obviously Peter and um, Cohen at seven. So um, yeah, their their forward pack is very strong. So um, coming into this game, I think it's um, going to be one in the tight battle. And if our forwards can step up and um, you know take to them physically without getting too silly, uh, you know I think it will go a long way to to getting over the line. And, and Jack, and, is, yeah, to, sorry, damage. sorry, Mickey, and players yeah. to watch, mate. Who are the Pally players to watch? Um, I think uh, besides yourself, of course. <laughs> no, I think, have you got uh, a Have you got a fresh haircut for the game? Yeah, it's oh, it's still there from the, the semi final. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Yeah, players to bro. players to watch. Uh, players from well, my job's been pretty easy lately because I've had Reese, um, Annapurt at nine and Leighton, um, short at twelve. So, um, they've been playing some outstanding uh, footy, and then obviously our fullback, uh, Manny Eden. He uh, Won the uh, best, the best and fairest for the comp this morning. So, um, you know, yeah, we've got some real good strike weapons in and around that nine twelve, and then obviously we can if we get the ball out to Manny in our our wingers' hands, it um, makes my job a lot easier. So, you know, if I had to look at anyone this week, it'd be sort of nine twelve and and fifteen for Pally. 
Uh, Jack, Sorry, is, there, Over to you. That's right. is there is there much excitement around the club? Yeah, it's actually a lot. I think um, you know, it's I think you said before it's was two thousand nine last time we in yeah. the final, and then it's been a, around thirty years, I think, since we've won a grand final. Or I might be wrong there, but I think it's something around that. So, um, like I said before, Jack Lloyd, he's he's taken the last three years as a um, as sort of like a, a rebuilding phase for the club, and you know they had the three year plan that in three years they wanted to make the GF, and this is the third year, and we've mm. we missed out last year, and we finally made it. So. Um, a lot of hard work behind the scenes has gone into it, um, all the way from the club president down to people in, in third grade and um, stuff like that. So, yeah, there's a lot of excitement around the club and I think all the boys are just keen to, um, you know, get to the game on the weekend and uh, make the most of it. And, you know, if we can go out and play our best footy, that's sort of sort of all we can ask for, really. And have you found many old old blokes coming out of the woodwork that, you know, used to play back in the 1960s or 70s that are, that have sort of started taking an interest again? Yeah, the Pally alumni is uh, it's awesome. There's a lot of old blokes that stick around after the game and have a beer at the um, in the sheds after the game. And um, you know they came up to us after the semi-final and just to to hear them speak about how thankful they are that we've sort of you know pushed to make the grand final and how excited they are and how much it means to them personally and um, for them as a club. It sort of sort of makes you realise that. Um, you know, the club is something special and there's a lot of special people in and around the club. And, um, yeah, so for us players to be able to go there and do a job for them, it's definitely a motivation behind um, behind us this weekend. Yeah, it's great. And, and Pete, you're sort of the opposite end of the tree. You're looking for the three, Pete. You obviously weren't a part of the last two. Is that a different sort of pressure? Um, I guess who's who's asking the question and who's um, who's thinking it really. Um, I don't think that, like, there hasn't been much talk about three-peat, uh, to be honest. I guess you've probably seen in the last couple of years that uh, the squad's changed over a fair bit. So um, I guess that's that's a positive sign. So guys are going into uh, potentially for their first premiership. So I know the last time I won a premiership was, what, 2005. So... It's wow. been a, it's been a, a certainly long, um, a long time for myself. So um, yeah, I wouldn't say there's much pressure on the club at all, no. And and what is the plan for this week against Pally? Um, oh, well, we know like uh, like Jack was saying before, they're a very abrasive team. So if we can if we can front up like we did last time, I think that's going to go a long way to uh, to helping us. Um, and then from there, we're just got to be consistent. Um, across all facets, whether that's set piece um, um, on attack and defence. Uh, I think we're just literally, it sounds very, very cliche, but we're just going to do the simple things right this weekend, really. And any any players that, caught, that have caught your eye? There's a good chance to talk some of the boys up. Um, yeah, Colin Mason is always um, uh, tremendous uh, from our side. He always, um, he always steps up every game. He's very consistent with the way he plays. Uh, Tobias Hoskins, our captain, he just um, he's just a new father as of the weekend, so he'll be coming in um, red hot this weekend. Maybe on uh, uh, less sleep, but he'll be um, yeah he'll be great to great to see. Um, and then some of our backs, um, you uh, you test me here, Mick. I've only been in the club <laughs> for a few for about a month or two, so I can't remember all these blokes' names. Yep, but you're you're enjoying your experience down at Cot. That's a pretty nice club, but nice ground to play at. Yeah, no, it's 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 great. Um, I wasn't too sure whether I was whether I was up for it. Uh, to be honest, I'm training twice a week and then training and then obviously playing on the weekend at the right page of 36. You know, it's, it takes a little bit get a uh, uh, little bit longer to get going. But um, in saying that, no, I've absolutely loved it. 
Um, the boys have been great. The uh, as I said before, after after every Thursday, everyone hangs around and has dinner together, which is just shows how close the the club really is. So um, yeah, I can't really fault I can't fault the effort um, um, all the way up from the president all the way down to the uh, juniors. It's been um, it's been tremendous. That's great to hear. And Mitch, anything else before we let yeah, him go? I'm just making sure that Pete knows where Calamunda is, Hartfield Park. Because, <laughs> you know, the Cot's got a bad reputation of not, you know, winning on the road. They love they love to play in front of their home crowd on the on the hill there, the beautiful backdrop of the ocean where, you know, it's all very cosy. But Hartfield Park's a different proposition, mate. You know where Hartfield Park is? Yeah, I actually the played Calamunda. there. Yeah, I played yeah, there about six weeks ago. So yeah, right. I'm well aware. Just like we're not playing as Calamunda because that was a different um, a different side <laughs> altogether when you're playing from home. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you won't have Vinny and all the boys on the uh, the cliff Begging, you know, baying for blood all every time the referee gets it wrong. And speaking of referees getting it wrong, Tobias Hoskins, probably the best referee manager I've ever seen <laughs> in club rugby. He's got a unique skill set and a good mannerism with the refs. He's um, he'll be very excited getting a three peat as captain. I know, I know he's uh, he underplays his hand, but he doesn't mind telling people um, how good he is around the place <laughs> and that relationship he has with referee. Um, Tobias is a good skipper, though. Yeah, he, he does go well. Yeah, he does. He's obviously been in the club for a long time. Um, he's been, I'm not too sure how long he's been captain for, but I'd say it's obviously been at least three years. Um, yeah, he just really has this good relationship across the across the club. So, and you notice every time he speaks, everyone everyone stands up and takes notice. So, and he performs on the field as well. He's not someone that just goes out there and says says this, uh, do this, do that. He's um, yeah, he really leads by example. So, no, he's a really epitome of the club. Well, Mickey, it sounds like the cop forward pack, it's all in their hands and the pally backs are going to run right. I should mention Chris Miller got the uh, the top try scorer uh, for the competition this year as well. I think he got about 15 tries um, and he was also recognised this morning. So plenty of firepower in the pally backs, uh, and but plenty of grunt up front, especially big Kaiser Reedy there. He's a big unit um, and lays a good solid platform at uh, set piece time. So it should be an interesting tussle. Yep. And before we let you go, Pete, your plans for next year? Will you be pulling on the socks again? Uh, not at this stage. Not at this stage. I sort of uh, want to give my family a bit of a spot on the weekend. I'm leaving at <laughs> 1 o'clock and getting back to 7 o'clock. So, um, yeah, I'll see what my wife and kids have to say about that. But um, as I said before, yeah, I've loved it um, ever since I sort of started third grade. So um, whether I come back at that level or not, uh, we'll wait and see. But, um, yeah. Well, big big Stephen Moore got a, a grand final farewell over at UQ last weekend. So um, yeah, you might you might follow in his footsteps, <laughs> or if if you don't and Pally do get up, please avoid Tompkins Park on Monday, people, because Tompkins Park will not be a pretty sight come Mad Monday. Isn't that right, Jack? <laughs> That's right. I think the boys know how to celebrate a good Mad Monday. So let's hope it's on the winning side. Uh, that's great. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. We do appreciate it. Obviously, a very exciting week for both of you. Um, all the best for the weekend, and thanks for joining us on the Rugby Wrap. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for having us. Thank Cheers. you. So that was Peter Kimlin and Jack McGregor getting ready for this week's grand final. And on that note, we welcome Heath Tessman to the podcast. Tess, good to see you. Yeah. Well, is, is there a limit on the number of people that we can have on yeah, here at once? Four. <laughs> I've been sitting in the bloody waiting room for <laughs> 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, only four. But it, we're just saying during it that it's great to have good players like them in the club system here in Perth. Oh, I hope you're not talking up Greg's too much. Like, let's be 
Let's be serious. Okay, he yeah. said he's going to get his hair done before the weekend as well. So um, oh. that'll that'll bring a, bring a bit of ridicule from the cot supporters, no doubt. Give him no doubt. He might get rid of those yep. sideburns. But it is, but so, it is good. It is good to have yeah, him so. play club rugby. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from no. all that. <clears throat> Absolutely. And I'd, I'd love to know how, um, I mean, I'm sure I'll re-listen tomorrow, but how Peter Kimlin, he just came back down just to play third grade. Didn't he have a little bit of a knockabout and keep yeah. fit? And now he, here he is. Going for yeah. three, helping Cot go for three in a row on uh, on the weekend. Yeah, yeah and great. we all know we all know how um, disappointed you are from not getting a Stephen Moore like farewell to a grand <laughs> final this year. So, um, bad luck I was just looking. Out, I was but... looking forward. I was looking forward to the two sixes in a grand final having a combined age of well over seventy. What have you to go around again. Yeah, the fairy tale ending hasn't happened for you, Heath, so you're going to have to go around again. Well, Pete Kimlin, he's hoping that he can go out a winner. He hasn't had a grand final for 16 years, he reckons. So, um, mind you, once you get a taste of that, you know, the drinking beer out of the Premiership Cup, I reckon, yeah. Well, there's nothing better, is there? Yeah. And it was good. It was interesting to hear him say how much he was impressed by that whole, the juniors right through to the seniors down at Cot and all the kids hanging around basically to start watching the seniors play that seniors train and like that's that's how you keep kids involved in the club and they want to they want to then they want to be those guys it's a great system they got set up yeah it's brilliant it's uh and, and a lot of a lot of the clubs do that don't they I know the netties kids yeah. are all hanging around they've got their sausage on bread and they truck around and and the the other good thing is that a lot of the uh a lot of the first grade guys and second grade guys who are available try and get down for that extra late late half an hour mm. before um before the kids training finishes as well so there's it's starting to be a real kind of synergy between the two, which is great to see. Yeah, no, it's excellent. Um, so that's the first great grand final at, at Hartfield Park between Cottesloe and uh, Palmyra. Second grade, Soaks against your mob, Test Netties. And third grade, Soaks up against Perth Bayswater. And then the junior semifinals taking place at Hartfield Park alongside the senior grand finals. Um, they the winners of those will play the junior grand finals next Saturday, as in the one after the grand finals down at Rockingham. So that all gets underway at 8.20 on Saturday morning out at Hartfield Park, which is Kalamata's home ground. So it's a massive day for the uh, for the Bulls out there. Yeah, it's going to be huge. So um, anyone planning on getting out there, make sure you get out there nice and early. Um, there's a, you know, obviously rugby feast happening. All three rugby fields will be going all day long. Um, I think there's uh, the second, well, the second division, I'll call it the second division, sort of the championship division or the, um, the Kudos Cup, if those that call it that. West are taking on um, Kalamunda in that one. So uh, Kalamunda get um, a little bit of home support out there at the same time. They'll be over on field two and that first grade game kicks off at 2.30, Mickey. So there'll be simultaneous games happening all right. over the place on the weekend. So it should be a busy day. And the women's, Mitch? Yeah, so the women's um, final this weekend, Wanneroo take on Cottesloe. So um, Wanneroo have got some fantastic players. Um, there was a number of award winners today as part of the PG Hampshire award winners this morning. We'll go through them in a little bit of a time. But um, Wanneroo would have to be going in as favourites where traditionally Cottesloe mm. have uh, almost held, um, you know, this cup up. Well, I don't know how many times since I've been in WA. Pretty much every year I can remember Cottesloe winning grand finals. But Wanneroo this year have got a terrific team. Um, they're the minor premiers, so um, I, I think they'll be favourites. They kick off at 12 o'clock, um, and that should be a terrific game to watch. Yeah, excellent. So plenty of rugby on. And there's also, um, just still on the juniors, just the, the entries for the Albany Sevens 
are open. So there's a maximum of 12 teams per age group. So you better get in quick. So it's nines, 11s, 12s, and 13s. So jump on Rugby WA website. But what a great opportunity for the kids to get on a bit of a, a bit of a road trip, take a bit of a tour, head down yeah. to beautiful, beautiful Albany and play some sevens. Great idea. Yeah, great. Yeah, it's good stuff. I think it's the, the Albany Rugby Club that put a big effort into um, to host metro, metropolitan clubs at that time of year. And it's a, it's a great way to finish off the rugby season, taking the kids for a trip. Who doesn't love a tour? Exactly. No matter how old you are. <laughs> See it. So we'll go to the mailbag. And last weekend, the Wallabies took on the All Blacks in front of 52,000 people at Optus Stadium. The day was magnificent, but the Wallabies weren't. Um, Mitch and Tess both called the game for 6PR. Start with you, Mitch. What went wrong for the men in orange? <laughs> I like how you're calling them orange oh, now. Yeah. It sounded like the Oompa Loompas. Wallaby um, gold. Well, wallaby gold, mate. That's wallaby gold. It still looks um, a bit more orange to me, but anyway. <laughs> well, there's going to be indigenous sort of um, pattern into the numbers I, I saw today too yeah. that came out. Um, well, I think, you know, obviously we talked about it on Sunday as part of the 6PR coverage, which was great. It was a great experience. And um, the number 10 jersey for mine was probably where it all went astray, just the lack of um, organisation and execution there from Alicio. And the further the All Blacks got in front, there seems to be the more mistakes the Wallabies made and the All Blacks capitalised on it. So the Wallabies had their opportunities in the first half, especially with the controversial red card from Geordie Barrett, and um, just didn't capitalise on those opportunities they had and just made some simple errors. And um, the, by by that time going into the second half, second half then they were chasing the scoreboard and it was game over. Um, and everyone just sat back and enjoyed the, the some of the some really good tries. In particular, the one from George Bridge with the inside out kick from yeah. TJ Paranar was an absolute cracker. But um, as was their first try, the All Blacks, the one that Geordie Barrett scored. But um, yep, number ten, that's where it's all at. And jo- and Geordie Barrett, the red card has been dismissed. But I think you know, oh, fair surprise. enough on, on the date. Yeah, it was one of those. One of those tricky ones. So just he on, kicked, on the, he was, he kicked so they him got it wrong. The face. He, so they, they got it wrong. On purpose. They got it wrong. So if, if it's been dismissed, they've got it wrong. Yeah, but no, you just he, can't prove that he did it intentionally. That's all. <laughs> He's lifted his foot intentionally. He didn't mean to hit him in the face, but you can't prove that he kicked him in the face intentionally. I think that's that it was that it was in the air trying to get his balance in the air. I don't. No, think he, he'd it, already it, called the ball. What did you need to balance for? You put your foot up you to, to protect yourself. The you kickers have got more protection than ever before right now. Is this from your experience of flying high to take a high ball? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what I mean up there, Kazali, or whatever they say. So, Mitch, what do we do with ten? Well, I think James O'Connor, if he's fit, you bring him back in. Um, and and give him a crack at it. Otherwise, I'd 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 roll the dice and go with Reese Hodge against the Springboks because the Springboks have got a pretty extensive kicking game anyway. So I think um, I actually think Reese did pretty well in the last twenty minutes on Sunday, and I I would be inclined to either start with him or bring O'Connor back. And so what do you I'd, what do you do? That would that you, would be the number one change I'd make. What do you do with with Lovacio then? Do you do you just park him? Or do you, you use these games to try and... So I saw today that it's exactly two years from today, the 8th of September, till the start of the World Cup in two years' time. Do you use this time, like, will O'Connor be around and fully fit then? Will Reese Hodge be the man? Or do you think, OK, we're going to give this guy another 12 months or to, try, to actually try and get him up to speed? Yeah, it's two years is a long time. Well, I think it is, man. Like, there's a lot of matches. You know, like, these guys are playing 30-plus matches a year, so... I mean, I, I think um, 
two years is a long time for a kid like Noel Alessio to develop, in my view. And in, and he's shown that he can mix it at super rugby level, but he just can't quite transition to that next test stage. So I, I would still be inclined to – I wouldn't play him against the Springboks, but I'd give him another test against one of the in, in one of those Argentinian games to see if he can give him another crack at it. I wouldn't just cast him aside and throw him on scrap tape. That'd be the last thing you'd do. But you just need to you park him for the next couple of weeks and say, you know, work hard at training. You've you've had your opportunity. Someone else gets a go, and then potentially bring him back through either off the bench or another start against the Argies in a few weeks' time. Because he wouldn't be the first bloke to to shine at Super Rugby, but just not be able to make the jump to test to test footy. So how long do you give him? If he goes no good against Argentina, then what do you do? Well, you see how he plays next year, and you and you, you. But this is this is the whole thing about Australian Wallaby selection at the moment. We need to be merit based. We need we really do need to be merit based. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of positives to come from picking the best Australian teams from the available players in Australia and overseas. And if he, if he's not our best ten, don't pick him there. Pick whoever is our best ten, and and look at who's playing the best rugby from all over the world, and pick the best players. Because had you know, because we saw that in the last World Cup, they chopped and changed that team right oh, up yeah. to the World Cup and through the World Cup. So yeah, and then point, they had no no continuity. Yeah, I think. So at what point do you have to make a make a call? I remember that. Right, yeah, we're going back a long way, but in '91, yeah. that that Test team barely changed throughout yeah, the year. And 90, 98, the same. '98 leading into '99, there was a core group of probably thirty to thirty-five players that were in the sort of squad across that back into 97 when McQueen took over all through 98 leading into 99, there was probably a handful of changes, a handful. Mm. And I was probably one of them that wasn't in, in there, in there towards the end for various <laughs> reasons, but there was a, there was a handful of changes, but, but what, but what they're able to do is just say, right, at this point of time, we're picking this group and we're going to stick with it. And then it's merit-based selection. But I mean, there was more depth, I suppose, in the late there 90s than there yeah. was now, but um, but I would still be inclined to the Wallaby squad they pick at the conclusion of Super Rugby next year. That's the one that's going to go off to the following year's World Cup, in my view. Yeah, righto. And test the, the forwards, the set piece on the weekend. What do you think of that from your wonderful view up there in the commentary box? Uh, it's oh, it's still a work in progress, isn't it? The, it? It There's just too many swings kind of thing with it that we, we can go from having such great performances in the scrum, but then the line-out's still really struggling. And whether or not – I don't think it's it's solely the hooker. I feel like as good as our uh, as good as our, our locking stock is, you know, with Swain and, and Philip and the rest of the boys coming through, you know, being able to leave uh, Lucan out, I just don't think any of those guys are really putting their hand up and taking control of that line-out, of that set piece from there. And, and you can see that every time they go to a line-out, there's – there's almost that that pressure that's already being put on the All Blacks because of how much they're squeezing them, how much pressure mm. they're placing under them, and, and how much the Wallabies are struggling to not necessarily win the ball, but just provide clean ball to their backs. So that was something we spoke about on on the weekend was how you know Lulaceo, um, McDermott, those guys didn't get any clean ball to play with off any of the lineouts, so they didn't get to line up any of their strike plays. Literally, it was just. Karevi getting the ball seven or eight metres behind the advantage line, him having to make the best of it. Forwards having to work back deep around the corner and then, you know, the Wallabies are playing off the back foot straight away. So I think they really need someone to put their hand up and, and become a real line-out leader with that group. Defensively, they're doing 
a pretty good job. But it's just, yeah, they're attacking when when you can you can see that anxiety creeping in about them wanting to win clean ball and you know there's they're just a little bit tense whenever they do get to that line out time about what they can provide just because the Wallabies are doing I mean the All Blacks sorry are doing such a good job of squeezing them. Someone just needs to really put the hand up and, and write the ship and say this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to get there. And then they need to drill it and take it from there because they've got the potential there. Like they've got the the players there. Uh, Falau Fanger, I think he did a great job in his first game of rugby in some time, and he threw quite well, scrum very well. So I think he, I think that spot, that hooking spot, especially, is wide open for anyone who really wants to put their hand up. And it, it's you know, fortunately for Falau, I guess, and unfortunately for the other guys, he was wearing the two on the weekend and he performed quite well. But um, yeah, it's just the rest of the set piece. They're just they're getting put under too much perceived pressure, and they're allowing the All Blacks to put them under that pressure. So hopefully. You know, Springboks provide a different threat. They they might not have the nous that the that the All Blacks do, but they've just got tall timber across the park. When you've got Peter Steph Detroit as your seven and he's bloody six foot thirteen or something yeah. like that, <laughs> it, may, it, may, it makes it tough to find space. So the, there's a different challenge from this week, but hopefully over the next fortnight they they're able to you know rein some control back into that set piece there. We saw the, the Wallabies they crossed the line. Three minutes in, it was disallowed. Then I think it was Corombete was disallowed when he uh, was called for, for crawling on the ground. And the Wallabies kind of hung their heads a little bit. Do, do you think they're, as a group, mentally soft? And you talked about it then, they're being intimidated by yeah. they've already I, got this problem when they yeah, go into things. Are they mentally soft? Oh, it's it's hard. it's not. No, because, I mean, no one's mentally soft. It's, can no, work as a group. I'm not saying individually. As a, as a group. I think they're just a young group and like talking about specifically with the line out, like they need someone to put their hand up. I think it can be across the park in different areas of the game. Obviously hoops is carrying a whole lot of leadership pressure on his shoulders and he's got a whole heap of work to do. And he's doing a whole heap of work, not only working with the referees, but setting the example like physically around the park, he's doing the work of, of two men already just by the amount of work rate that he's getting through. So I just think, it's, it's around him, it's just that next level of leadership that can come up because that's the, the trouble is that, yeah, they go from being in a scoring position, being really unlucky to not have five to maybe seven points on the board. And then and there's an easy penalty and then, you know, another one, they're piggybacking down the field and two minutes later, they're, they're 10 metres out, five metres out from their line, defending for their line, you know, defending their try line, just like the ABs were doing three minutes before that. And there's just not that maturity that what's happened is gone. So you can't dwell on what's happened, what could have been. It's just this is the moment that we're in now and this is what we need to to stop right now. And this is all that matters right now. We can't carry any baggage from what's happened previously. We're just here. This is what we need to do. What do we need to do to achieve it? Let's go achieve it. And then whatever the result is, okay, that's happened. This is what we need to do next. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I just think because – and we go – like we go through the pack, you go through even those inside backs. It's just a, it's a young squad. So I think they do need a bit more time together for some of those leaders to develop, but someone really needs to put their hand up and say, I'm going to take this on as well. And that's the crux of it. That's the crux of it there, right there, Mickey, is that leadership takes many, um, many forms. And 
so many times when you're watching the Wallabies at the moment, they get to a point and they just don't know what to do. They're disorganised. Yeah. yeah. And because there's a lack of that sort of secondary leadership stepping up and filling those roles. Michael Hooper can't make every decision and do all the work. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, everything is just sitting on him at the moment. And that, that secondary leadership stuff is just not spread through the team. And, you, like, saying you're too young is just a cop-out. Like, those 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 guys representing Australia, the professional rugby players, they've got they've got to develop in their heads that everyone's got a role to be a leader on the field. And because you can't have hoops, just having everything's got to go through him. Everything's got to go through him. He's in a ruck, the bottom of a ruck, mm. sucking in the big ones. Someone's got to be prepared to make the next decision and get organised. And guys are got to respond to that. And that's where so many times on the weekend, they just completely look like a schmozzle. Yeah, because you talk about like those two disallowed tries, people saying that could have changed the momentum of that game, but surely momentum is a mental thing. Momentum. Mem- they still had the momentum. Like, at disallowed tries or not, they had momentum. Like, when they had advantage and Noah Alicio, Alicio decides not to throw a, a basic left-to-right pass to a four-man overlap and decides to kick the ball across the field, like, that's just lack of taking ownership of your game. And Tom, like, Tom Banks is kick for touch that went yeah. dead like yeah step up do your job like it's that simple yeah well yeah, exactly it was something that Kernsey spoke about pre-match wasn't it like about the line out specifically we need to hit those throws hmm. but in that situation that's his job there and we need to get the opportunity to hit that throw as well hmm. and with um like I know so of the, the intercepts two intercepts thrown again which I think is five in three games hmm. so Matt Phillip threw one so when did it become fashionable, and it, you can see it all the time now, for forwards to be out in the back line in playing that role? When did that come in? Oh, well, it's it's the modern game, though, isn't it, Mick? Yeah, like, they've the got to be game. able to do it if... Brady Retallick can do it. Scott Barrett well, that, can do that's, it. And, but that's, that was going to be my <laughs> next point. Like, they've got to be able to perform the... You've got to be able to perform the skill if it's required. But it was just... You know, the problem with... Wallabies had the numbers... In that situation, what they did was they filled the space evenly. So they said, okay, we've got 20 metres to work with. Let's all fill it four-metre intervals, which makes it easier to mark as a defence for starters, but, where, but it where also makes it easier to pick where off. Where were the backs? What were they well, doing? That was what that was what I was blowing up about the weekend, wasn't it? <laughs> well, Lalesio was, out. Lalesio was down for the count. He'd been whacked after he passed the ball. He was yeah, still trying to find up. his lungs. Yeah. But I think a few of the other backs, had, they'd spotted a bit of space down the left-hand side. Yeah, on the left. Um, and they went right. That was where the space was, was on the right. <laughs> like it's just, I just found that just yeah. bizarre. Oh, because we we don't have the skill level to do that. Yeah, and we Kenzie should have spoke, the skill level. Is the Kenzie thing. Spoke and I'm sorry if if yeah, if that Matt was Phillips like we said with Retallick. Sorry, if that was the All Blacks in that situation, they would have scored. Yeah, yeah. they would have been tighter on their first two players. Bang, bang through those first two quick hands. Leave the space for the fast guys outside. Hmm. Like Taniel Tupa, he's fresh on the field and he's outside field. Like he's probably going to get there. <laughs> Let's be serious. He's fast enough. <laughs> Was he underused on the weekend? Yep. Yep. He needed to be on at half time, Mickey. We're chasing the game. As soon as we're down on the scoreboard, there's no point in bringing him on between us to go. You, you just got to chase the game. And he starts to make, when he's under pressure and we're chasing the scoreboard, he starts to make mistakes. Yeah. So, you know, I think, Half time would have been the, the opportune time to bring him on. I know you got to take off Ala Alatoa as part of that, and that, but that's the trade off. It's like the Reese Hodge Lalesio argument. You go and you're down the scoreboard, your 10's not playing well, just make the change. 
I think I think it was one of those games as well for him where he struggled to to get involved and get his impact. Like watching him get around the park, like he ended up as that third player in the pot of forwards looking for the carry. So he wasn't really getting carried because they were hitting that first guy quite frequently, hitting the first second. So he was just, you know, that second guy in to clean. And that's where the guys need to be smart as well, especially, you know, say, not blaming, saying, harking on about Matty Phillip, but you've been out there for that long and, you, and you're Matty Phillip, you get the ball off the edge. Just a little tip or something, just to change that little point of attack to a bloody baby hippopotamus coming through, a little kid that big. Running at a top speed, like get him involved. We need to look to get him involved. We can't just put it on him to say he needs to get his hand on the ball as well. Because he was looking, it just wasn't kind of coming to him. Because it's asking a lot of him to to come in late and then just have an immediate impact every time. He's got no time, he's got no time to feel his way into a game. So do you start him? Do we have to start him? Or is he not a good enough scrummager that you can't afford to start him? Well, the big challenge will be this weekend. Whoever does end up with that starting spot with the, um, you know, the Springbok pack providing a completely uh, different challenge to any any pack that you know that has, has been played against, whether it's the All Blacks or the Wallabies, both of those teams are going to be facing a huge challenge there because they're a pack that pushed around the British and Irish Lions pack. So mm. it's going to be a huge challenge for whatever front row owns up out and there. From interesting loots for, for this weekend because in the past – these guys have played these guys through Super Rugby, whereas the last last two years it's a bit of a, almost a bit of an unknown. Mm, it is, mm. yeah, yeah. The, well, the box world champions. I mean, what looking at how they played their last Test match and even just the British British Lions Test matches, you're going, this is going to be brutal. If they bring that sort of attitude they had against the Lions to the Wallabies, oh my goodness. <laughs> so yeah, I'm. Like I, it's going to be really exciting just to see how the Wallabies step up because the Box are probably the most physical team in the world at this point in time. Yeah, wow. Physicality wise, and so uh, who starts nine ten this week? Tate was very good. Tess, no, nah, you've I've always got, been a good judge of nines and tens. <laughs> I've got uh, I've got White and Lolaceo still, and I'm putting Hodge at fullback to give him a little bit more experience around. So him. You're starting with White. I'm starting with White. Um, I think Tate will be able to provide a little bit more spark back into the game. White's got the better kicking game of the two, and I think early on it's going to be a bit of an arm wrestle. But then having White inside and Kirby outside, Lolaceo with Reese Hodge at fullback for his kicking game and his yep. ability to talk to Lolaceo um, will help Noah out a little bit there as well. Yeah, it's not going to happen. See, but that's see yeah. if see if O'Connor's fit. <laughs> we'll see if O'Connor's fit. I reckon he'll get picked. Um, yep. The other one is the the balance of the back row because I thought, you know, I'm just not a Lockie Swinton fan. I know a lot of people are, but I'm not. Um, Pete Samu, give him a go. Like mm. let him let him out there with um, Valentini and um, Hoops, and just just try and just try and beat the South Africans to the breakdown with three dynamic back rowers, I think, and just see if you can put some pressure on there, but and slow their ball down as well, and put pressure on their nine and. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Nick White should probably, even though Tate hasn't played badly, he thoroughly deserves yeah, to keep his spot. Not. I would still just change it up through Nick White. And um, Jordan Pattaya, um was in the 23, came on. Again, didn't really do too much. Do you, do you keep him in the 23? Mitch, you're shaking oh. your head. <laughs> no, well, if, if Hunter Pasami's available, I'd, I'd pick him. Um, 
and just depends on where, as you say, Mickey Reese Hodge. If he's not starting, he's got to be in the twenty-three, and then Basami, where, where whether or not he goes straight back in, or whether or not he's um, he's still having babies. Yeah, because he just he just still doesn't look happy. You know, he's playing a beautiful day, packed house, and just didn't look like he was enjoying himself. No, no, I haven't seen a smile on that kid's face for a number of years now, unfortunately. So yeah, it's um. Just needs time. Just needs yeah. time. And your mate, Wunavalu's done a hamstring injury, mate, so we won't see him either. I know. I know. That was going to be one of my little... Um, oh, oh sorry, mate. No, the good segue. Good segue. No, it's a good segue. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the, but I've got... I want to come, I'll come Seamless. back to him. I'll come back to him. I want to just go just quickly still on the Wallabies. So, Greg Holmes has been called into the squad on the brink of becoming the oldest Wallaby since the Second World War, which I believe he actually remembers. He's been drafted into the squad after uh, Pone Fahamasuli suffered an injury. And because of the travel restrictions, I assume people from New South Wales can't be called in to the squad because they'd have to quarantine. So they're, it's either out of someone from the Northern Territory, South Australia, Tasmania or WA. So Greg Holmes, 38 years old. Where's so Tom Robinson? Where's Tom Robinson? He's in the squad. He's already so in there. So what's going on? What do we need, what do we need Holmesy for? They, they, they like having more than 40 people yeah. in that squad, I think. That's what uh, they like to keep their numbers yeah. up. There's a 12 prop minimum. Yep. <laughs> Like you go, oh great, yeah, but he's not going to get a go. So why? So why bring him in? That's what I can't understand. Unless how many do the warm ups? Oh, yeah, it's very odd. Even opposed scrummaging, they've no, they've got a heap of props up not. there. He Tesman, bring he didn't Tesman have boots on. Um, so that's the so Wallaby South Africa at six pm on Stan and Channel Nine. Yeah, big double header yep. on um, on Sunday. Seabus Seabus Stadium. Yeah, that's the, the Gold of, Coast one, isn't it? Yeah, home of yep. rugby. Yep, sure is good mm. deck there. And um, Mitch, as you mentioned, the Wallabies have added a, a new touch of Indigenous heritage to their jersey. So it's, it's a full-time basis now, and Sunday's game will be the first time they do it. So the, the numbers on the jerseys now have a First Nations design in the number, and they're going to use that for every game. And their, their away jersey is the green Indigenous jersey. So let's hope they just settle on those two, and we don't need to buy any more jerseys <laughs> ever again. <laughs> So be, when are we playing? How do we determine? So when we're playing the Northern Hemisphere or in New Zealand or South Africa, we're wearing the green. Is that right? I'm not sure when they... Unless when it's they, against South Africa because then we can't wear green. We'll yeah, wear the gold again. So I'm not sure. Um, I think they said their first first game was on the 25th. So I'm not sure who they're playing that day. Maybe the Argies. So I'm not sure. I don't know why or when they're going to roll that one out, but that's their... Right. Who else wears yellow? Maybe when we're playing Romania at home. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> we might beat in them. Romania. <laughs> And yes, Mitch, as you mentioned, the prize NRL recruits Suliasi Vunavalu's highly anticipated Wallabies debut has been delayed again by a recurring hamstring injury. So the two-time NRL premiership winger has played just eight Super Rugby games, which works out to be about $100,000 a game. (laughs) I think you just said it all, Mickey. It's not quite Michael Jordan money, but it's not bad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's bizarre. Uh, and then, Mitch, as you mentioned, the top, it's award season in local rugby. Yes, mate. So I'll run through um, all the PG Hampshire awards from uh, early this morning. There was a breakfast on. Um, Did Tessman get any votes? No, I didn't, see his, I didn't see his name in the PG Hampshire that's tallies. A, that's a, there was yeah. um, <clears throat> George, George Foster-Jones got Referee of the Year. Now, he's got a he's a former Netties player. Former player. Most yeah. Captain Edwards yeah. player ever, I believe. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Wow. Well, really great. good guy, George. So he got referee of the year. So great for him. Um, the Rugby WA Life Member Awards uh, went to Martin Becker, who's the former junior president, and Ray Mills, um, former country rugby president, 
was also recognised for his services to the game as life members. So well done to Martin Becker and and, and Ray, Bill, Ray Mills for um, their contribution to rugby. Um, top male try scorer, Chris Miller. Uh, we already mentioned him today, 15 tries. Top point scorer, Caleb Young, UWA, 228 points. Um, I thought Connor so, Hughes might have, might have given that one a shake. Is that, yeah, is that two years Matt, running for Caleb then as well? I think it might have been. Two I think might have been. He just clubs? snuck in. He only just snuck in too. It was a pretty close one. Top female try scorer, Pahu Pamari, uh, with 10 tries from the Wanneroo Divas. And she also tied with Asia Wigley um, for the top female point scorer. They shared that trophy. Uh, the club championship, Netherlands Rugby Club, Chub oh, Club champions for this nice, year. Nice. They were minor premiers in premier grade, reserve grade, and third grade. Um, so that was that was pretty good. They didn't have a bad year, unless although they're only featuring one grand final, I think, Netties. Yeah, twos. Uh, outstanding Colt, uh, the George Newstead Trophy went to Max Sawyers, the number eight from Kalamunda. Um, the Kalamunda Colts, of course, the premiership winning team this year. So Max Sawyers, a young fella. Uh, had a good year. Coach of the year went to Cottesloe's Ryan Westerway. Um, don't forget, he's got a good assistant there in John Owen and obviously going for back-to-back premierships as coach of Cottesloe. Uh, Sue Roberts Trophy for, for the most uh, the best and fairest female player for the year went to young Kira McCaskill from West Scarborough. Um, she's the younger sister of Brodie McCaskill, former, oh, great. Um, yep. former um, pathway player here at the force. And, Kira's only young. She's um, up and coming and obviously got some great talents there. So well done to Kira and all the McCaskill family hmm. on, um, on that award. Uh, the Rugby WA Cup. Remember, the, we were asking about what's yeah, happened the big to the Rugby silver WA cup. cup. The big yep. silver cup. Cottesloe won that. Right. So they were, they were they defending that. They were defending that in the last round of the season and ended up winning it. So you need, if off, you... I think they took it a us earlier in the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they held on. Since. Uh, now, the PG Hampshire Award, that was getting really close. Tologo Lalala from Soaks winning, was winning all the way through. Um, Manahara Eden from Pali, Conor O'Sullivan, Otamaka Masia from Perth Bayswood were all in the mix. But it was um, Ethan Riley ended up third from Wanneroo. Uh, Tologo Lalaga from Soaks ended up second. And, of course, the PG Hampshire winner was Manahara Eden, who's the 15 from Pali. So... Great season for him. So he could top off a, yeah, he could have a good weekend at the PG Hampshire in a grand final. It'll be a nice way for him to wrap up 2021. Mm, absolutely. Well, I think that, that'll do us. Is there anything else floating around that we need to discuss? Did you want to gloat about your UQ? Oh, yeah, Tess. Heath or anything? No. Oh, no. Okay. I've done, I've, I've done my gloating this week already. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd they be? Uh, Mick Heenan, his sixth, uh, his sixth premiership win. In the last ten years, as a coach, so, as a coach, yeah. so I mean, surely, surely, there's got to be a team somewhere out there that wants him. <laughs> the pathway. Wow, well, is there? Yeah. So, what, what does he do? Has he been tapped on the shoulder to be an assistant coach somewhere with one of the super teams? He did do one. He did one season with Brisbane in the NRC when they yep. didn't have a very successful year. Yeah. Um, uh, but that was it. Well, I did notice the um, Brad, all the coaching staff at the Queensland Reds all got extended for a further two seasons. Yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah, Brad Thorne's on for two more years. Well, as yeah. they should, they had a good year. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And the New South Wales Waratahs are continuing with their signings, I saw. So they've been uh, making a lot of noise off the back of Darren Coleman being appointed as their coach for the year. There's there's lots of player signings happening at the Waratahs at the moment. Very quiet on the Rebels and the, 
Brumby's front at the moment around player signings, signings. as as is the force a little bit. Um, mm. And don't forget the uh, the force had a bit of a hit out against Australia A last Saturday, which uh, went under the radar a little bit. But um, yeah, do you know why that was under the radar? No, Mick, like why I don't, wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they let people on a day of rugby on a weekend of rugby? Why wouldn't they let people know about that to go and have a look? I've, I've set you off now, haven't I? Well, it just um, seems, you know, we talk about, we talk about engagement. Sadly so, though. We talk about I would have gone down to have a, I would have gone down to have a mm-hmm. look because I was t- yeah. chatting to Richard Carhui and he said oh, it was a pretty good hit out there. Western Force had pretty much a mainstay team for the first 40 minutes and then a lot of the club players uh, who aren't involved with finals got the last 40 minutes and got involved. So, yep, which is great. And, you know, guys like Quade Cooper was playing and lots of stuff. Yeah. Zero publicity. Obviously, didn't want anyone turning up to yeah, watch so, it, uh, and you just go missed opportunity. Yeah. Uh, so who, who's who's made that call? Would that have been the force or ARU? Would oh, I I, I, it would be ARU. ARU would have made that call. They just wouldn't have want, wanted a fanfare about it. That's it's um, ridiculous. Yeah, it's silly stuff, isn't it? I mean, what's it? How's it going to hurt by getting people interested in a game of rugby? How does that hurt? No. How's that hurt the game? Just no, with precisely, Mick. And I, I couldn't even tell you where it was played. I think it was played down at Wesley College where they've been training during the week. So, mm-hmm. um, But I did notice your mate Scott Johnson was um, hanging out with Cottesloe stalwarts on Saturday. Having oh, down there. Yeah, having, couple having a look. Emu, couple of emu exports down at Cot last Saturday afternoon. And I saw there was a, a thing on some socials about the New South Wales Rugby Union. They put a development in for some new... Um, New complex. Centre of excellence. Yeah. Centre of Centre excellence is the word. And uh, yeah, and all this apparent I'm not is it, it's in is it in the eastern suburbs? Is that where it's where it's being built? But there's a lot of angry people saying why can't they put some of that money into development <laughs> in some of the areas that are struggling? So of course that, of course that's where you'd build a centre of excellence for rugby in the eastern suburbs, because real estate there is so cheap, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, the government's paying for it, though, aren't they? <laughs> everyone's, been, everyone's been giving the Tars a hiding, but I don't think it's going to cost them anything. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. It's, I remember seeing a proposal once upon a time. It was going to be at TG Milner, which made a lot of sense. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, That's all that, gone. That didn't last long. But look, it'll be, great. it'll be great for rugby, but just, yeah, it's just um, when there's not a lot of money floating around, it's... Um, you got to wonder if that's where it but should be going. We've but got anyway, plenty of rugby to watch this weekend, so it's all good. Absolutely. So it's all good. Plenty. It's all good over here. All right. Well, that'll do us. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you, Tess. Well done on Thanks, the weekend, Mickey. boys. Thanks, that was, Tess. Um, had a lot of good reports about, about your, uh, your input into the broadcast. That was good. Uh, good luck to awesome. everyone playing in the grand finals from the juniors, the women, and through to the senior men. Make sure you do get out to Hartfield Park, as we mentioned, from 8.20 on Saturday morning. What's the, the future running around? Thanks to everyone for tuning in, and we will catch you next time on the Rugby Rugby.